So Cameron, your podcast is called Murder Me on Monday. You should probably release your podcast on a Monday. Why are you releasing it on Tuesday, you might ask? Uh, because our podcast host was DDoS attacked over the weekend. What is a DDoS attack, you might ask? It stands for Distributed Denial of Services, which means a person or persons choose to overwhelm an IP address or a domain of a provider to essentially hold it to ransom and say, if you don't give us X, we will stop the attack, essentially. But yeah, we couldn't upload it. So I had to I had to re-record this bit and add it into the new podcast and export it again. So actually, it made more work for me. So yeah, enjoy the podcast. Much love. 29th of August 2003 at 3.45am, the police receive a 999 call from an elderly woman saying her husband had been attacked by intruders at their flat in the Devon town of Plimpton, now a suburb of Plymouth, and could they please come quickly as she thought he was dead. Very quickly things began to peer off to the police. Not least that the victim was 83 or 85 years old, very, very poor health, almost bedbound. And the victim's wife, being 81, both would have been able to put up very little resistance. So why did the victim to have been stabbed so violently and why did the time of death appear to be much earlier than when the 999 call was placed? This is the murder of Eric Hingston and this is Murder Me on Monday. Eric Hingston had been a bit of a war hero. He had been a member of Winston Churchill's Special Operations Executive. He was flying planes in undercover operations. Primarily, his job was flying secret agents between German lines in occupied France. Um, And he also took a Lysander two-seater aircraft, which is a bit of a if you're a plane buff it's a bit of a thing and he took that deep into rural areas of France at very low level only using a compass to navigate now I'd have trouble finding my own back garden gate with compass but this guy you know he was a hero after the war in 1950 he married a lady called Jean and they had two children and he went on to become a butcher owning a number of shops in and around St Austell in Cornwall so that's not that far from Devon, if you know the geography well. Nice area, lovely. I thought you were going to say it's not far from us. It is. I've driven there. It's eight hours drive, roughly. It's definitely far enough. Yeah. Now Jean passed away in 1982, and Eric became lonely. He and his wife had been friends with another couple, and the husband of that couple too had passed away from a heart attack. So it seemed natural for Eric to strike up a close friendship with this widow. But when he announced he'd be marrying her, and her name was Audrey, some 18 months after Jean's death in 1983, his family were less than happy. They were saying it was too soon. Now, that's not an unusual reaction, but it's also not an unusual thing to do when you consider their age, their life. Um, You know, getting on in years, you may as well take happiness where you can find it. Uh, Yeah, accelerate it. You might only have six months left. Exactly. You don't want to drag it out. Exactly. And Eric explained to them that it was for companionship. And they were of a generation that, generation, that cohabitation was frowned upon. So far as anybody knew, they were married, but it was more platonic, a bit more like housemates. So, you know, they just kept each other company, but they were married. Now, after 30 years, Eric retired from the butchery business. They he'd ended up with this shop in Plimpton, um, which is now, it's classified as a suburb of Plymouth. It's a town 
and it was made up of lots of small villages. This is weird British geography to how everything sort of gloops up together in the end. The way things are constructed, if you look at a block in the States or in a lot of other newly developed countries, they're pretty much straight roads everywhere. In the mm. UK and Europe and everything, it's the, the straightest line will take you half an hour to get there versus five minutes. Yeah. Because it, it zigzags left and right. You go back on yourself all the time. Yeah, because a lot of roads were made up of things like farm tracks. The only time it's exciting as a British person to get on a road and see a dead straight road and you immediately think, oh, the Romans built that. And then somebody tarmacked over it and off we go. Yeah. But if you look at pictures of this place, Plimpton, it's it's called a village but it's not it's actually a town but it's one of these it's very um i wouldn't say oldie worldy but you can tell it was it's been built up over centuries a lot of the houses you literally open your front door there is no footpath you open your front door and you fall straight out into the road well that'd be me dead inside a week wouldn't it but it's very 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 old-fashioned like that it'd be terrifying to try and walk through there but anyway they, they had this this plymouth this shop in plimpton Eric retired and he basically, his son, James, took the shop over. And James's wife, Sally, ran a, a saddlery and tack shop next door. So it kind of goes to show how out in the suburbs it actually is. You know, you wouldn't expect a, a saddlery and a tack shop to be in a, a main city. Just There just isn't the, you're looking at me. You yeah. Can, yeah, all right. I'll, I'll carry on and crack on. Now... Eric and Audrey, they lived above... I don't know what the fuck that you were talking about. What the fuck is a Saddler and Tack Shop? Is that Sa- a sex shop? That's definitely a sex shop. That's Sad- a code name Sa- for sex shop. You're going to upset an awful lot of people. Is, is it horses, saddles and fishing? No, tack is the the things like the bridles and the head harnesses and... It's a sex shop. Uh, anyway, crack on. Now, Eric and Audrey, they lived above the shop. There was a little flat above this shop. And I've actually seen pictures of it. It looks no different now... To to how it did in 2003 it really doesn't there is no difference it still seems to be run um they seem to have been happy they were they were married for over 20 years they had days out they went for pub lunches they went on lots of nice holidays um the lot they they had a good life but as he reached 80 eric's health began to fail um quite badly he'd had a hip replacement which um not that's not pleasant. He wore a catheter. He was waiting for a prostate operation. And apparently he had really chronic asthma. Now, their car was sold as he no, could no longer drive it. And she couldn't drive. So his health was so bad, the holidays stopped. Why is that such a common theme that runs between elderly couples? That is, the, it's the husband that drives and the woman and the woman typically hasn't learnt to drive. I think it's a generational thing. I know, yeah, that's exactly what I'm assuming. But why is that the case? Do you think is it because back then the husband was the one that went to work and the the the, the wife didn't need to? Even now, it does happen for people. If you go into a car showroom, you know, male and female go into a car showroom. Some salespeople will completely ignore the woman. Yeah, and then you hear about the stories often where it's the woman that's buying the car and yeah. the person just only directs it to the yeah. man, and then obviously. They don't yeah. work with that person. But it, it seems to be a lot of people of like my grandparents' age, it was that the, the the wife wouldn't or couldn't drive. I think also as well, from my brief knowledge of it back in the 70s and 80s, cars then were double declutchers. And a lot of women, it was considered they didn't have the strength to press down. Yeah, they didn't have any power steering. No. Exactly, and it was it was a lot harder. To, and some driving instructors then it was allowed. They could say, "I won't teach a woman how to drive. You're all maniacs." Yeah. So 
but anyway, that's how this one happened. The, the days out stopped. The holidays stopped. The pub lunches stopped. He was too ill. He was basically, for all intents and purposes, by the sounds of it, almost housebound. Why they were still in that flat? Probably because they owned it. There wasn't the money maybe to buy a bungalow or for yeah. whatever reason. But his his family were nearby, so, yeah. Audrey appears now to have gotten quite resentful about Eric's health and how it had affected her way of life. Doesn't appear that she asked for any help or did anything about it except to moan to anybody who would listen. There's no record of her asking the family for help or social services. Social services, even in the 80s, they would have been able to plug in and offer help. She could have still probably hopped on a bus and gone off to places, but I think she was she was described as being quite prim and proper. And I think she would have been the type that would have expected a man to open the car door so she could go and sit in it. She would have expected them to open any doors for her. So the idea of her, you know, grabbing... Being, being autonomous. Yeah, wouldn't have been a thing. It is known she complained to a doctor that she was feeling down, but it seems she never pursued it. And it wasn't considered that she was actually depressed. It's not unusual for older women to go to their doctors to moan about their health or their whatever. And the doctors, yes, 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 dear. And there's nothing wrong. They just want someone to listen to them. So, but back to that fateful night. Eric slept upright with the bedroom window open due to his heart problems and breathing difficulty. Audrey is said, said well, she told people that she'd slept on the sofa. That would be good for an 81-year-old woman. Well, that was my thought. I don't even know if it's a two-bedroom flat, but an 81-year-old woman on the sofa? Mm, maybe. Yeah, well. She claimed that two men came in through this open window and attacked Eric. She described to the police the perpetrators. Is this and, flat, what floor is this flat on? Second, it's, it's literal. Ground floor is the shop, and then it's a flat above it. The old-fashioned. Yeah, yeah. So, how's someone come through the window? Exactly. Are they on, motherfuckers are on stilts? How are they... Exactly. Right, Right. The bedroom window, from the photographs that I've seen, the bedroom, you'd go up the back of the shop and up a flight of steps to get into... Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a typical... Yeah, his bedroom window, I think, opened up onto the main high street. So, So there's no, unless someone stood on, like, the signage of the shop below him, of the weird sex shop... Well, yeah, exactly. They, 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 yeah, this is not adding up. Do Even, they sell stilts at the sex shop? It, this is not adding up to the police from, from day one. Um, the police actually do try and reconstruct this. They even get a ladder and try and use a ladder. But that's whole, that's good. that'll get into that. So this is where it, it got interesting. I mean, an 81-year-old woman at four o'clock in the morning, roughly, rings the police and says, my husband's been attacked. Please help us. I think he's dead. And the... Description of the attackers, bearing in mind she'd been asleep in the living room and she'd gotten woken up, is very precise. <laughs> very precise. A six... Let me guess, is it racist? No, no, no. I thought she might be racist. 81-year-old people usually are. Um, yeah, I'm not getting into that. But anyway, no, it wasn't. The first one is described as six foot one. Yeah? Wearing a deer stalker hat and white trousers. Now, this is the 1980s. White trousers were not the norm in the 80s. They were a thing in the 2000s, but not in the 80s. And a deer stalker hat, I mean, come on, everybody, if you don't know what a deer stalker hat is, think of the original Sherlock Holmes. So, we're talking August. Yeah? No? Mm. Number two, he was five foot eight. And he was a stocky build. And he was wearing a tea cosy hat. 
think of a bobble hat. Tea cosy is a generational thing because they did look like tea cosies. But in August, why would these blokes be wearing these hats in August? That's a. It, it's, it's, I know we're in the UK, but August is still hot. <laughs> so, and to back it up, the police were shown a sack, or they described it as a swag bag. Um, it was a black plastic bag with some jewellery and a few valuables in it that was left beside this open window. And there was some very limited ransacking of open drawers. These drawers were open and a few bits, but, but no... No more than when you're looking for your socks at match at six o'clock in the morning. It was a bit odd. So the police have now got two avenues of investigation. They've got forensics, because they need to, you know, open window and all that, and try and track down these two guys. It was quite easy to actually track down these guys. They were from a local bail hostel. She'd seen them around the town or the village, and that's why it was easy for her to describe them. It was, that's why it was so precise. She actually, you know, the, the thing about if it, if a lie contains a percentage of truth, it's much easier. Yeah, it's easier to contort the truth because it's easier to remember, so you keep your story straight. And then you can weave in your lies into the truth, so it's more believable if other people are involved. Yeah. If X Y Z happened and you're there. You think, oh, yeah, that did happen. And then maybe it happened because of the reasons they're saying. So it's easy to weave in the lie. But she's she's already started to do this. And the police are already adding these things up. They also had absolutely cast iron alibis due to the regulations at the bail hostel. So they were quickly ruled out. A lot of bail hostels, I know you can come and go. But other ones, they do have doorkeepers. They have passes. they, They make sure they know where people are. And they knew where these guys are. So that was out. Now, Crime Stoppers, that's... Everybody knows Crime Stoppers. They offered no. a... I'm 24. Who the fuck are Crime Stoppers? <laughs> it's a charity. But they, anyway, you can you can claim rewards. You can offer rewards. You can do it anonymously, blah, blah, blah. They offered the maximum at the time a national reward of £10,000 for information leading to the arrest and the conviction of these attackers. But the police were still going with the Audrey as a victim narrative. And they held a, pl- uh, a press conference three days after the murder where Audrey spoke. Now, I've noticed this is a, 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 a common theme. When police are not sure, if you ever get asked to do a press conference and you've done something wrong, it's Say a bit... Hi. Yeah, it's a bit like um, when you do a lie detector test. I mean, you know, we don't tend to have done any. We even have them in the UK, do we? Um but no, if you're doing a press conference, it's a way the police can measure things up. There's so many of them that have been caught afterwards. Yeah, no press conference I can think of hasn't been met with contention. Mm. Any Anyone. Any, I can't remember a single off the top of my head that's worked out well for the person that's doing it. Yeah. Usually they did it. Yeah, yeah. Now, I've, I've actually seen this and she, she says... Two men came into my home and ruined my life. My husband, Eric, did not deserve this. As a frail man, any resistance he put up could have been easily overcome by these two young men. But there was just something about it, her deliverance. She didn't look up. She read from this prepared statement and she, she didn't look at the press and she didn't look at the camera. There was no tears. There was no emotion. There was... There was nothing. I'm not going to say anything because here is the point where I would usually defend the person that's done something bad. So I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> it, it was it was odd. And she also, one of the things she actually did that made the, the police's um, proverbial ears prick up was she thanked everybody for attending for their attention. 
Now I'm sat there when I, I, I listen to this and I've read about this afterwards and I'm thinking, okay, she's thanking them for any possible information that they may give her. Thank you for coming, you know, coming to actually record this thing and, you know, getting it out there, getting some information. But it also comes across the place afterwards actually say she was loving it. She was reveling in their attention. They they really didn't like her. It actually really comes across. So shortly after this press conference, literally a week later, Audrey attempted suicide. Um, she left a note saying she couldn't live without her husband. The police didn't believe it was a genuine attempt. They thought it was looking for public sympathy. Um, so, they, you know, she's in hospital. The police send social workers to keep an eye on her. Now, that's incredibly unusual. Normally, it would be family liaison or something like that. But I think social workers, maybe because of her age, um, you know, is there something wrong with her at her age? That... Social workers usually trained or informed on how to deal with... Because she's essentially, at this point, a vulnerable person that's a potential suicide risk. Why would you send social workers? Wouldn't you send someone that's trained for this kind of thing social I, I, I don't know if they are because i don't know what constitutes my, my assumption worker. would be that, that they would be but it'd be incredibly unusual for the police to actually send them with a report back which is what they did they sent sent them in basically undercover um oh sorry i'm yawning throughout this entire thing you're not boring me i just i had a coffee before this and it's not worked i need i need, I need another one hang on oh it doesn't bode well for a podcast and one of the hosts is they're clinging onto life he's nearly dead from falling asleep so i got a coffee and i brought her some cheese fair enough i'm gonna eat some cheese during it fair enough doesn't what floats your boat it's red leicester that's what anyone suggested <laughs> carry on right i thinking back back on this maybe because this was 2003 no family liaison officers were a thing so I, I suspect they were being super careful having social workers in there because as you say she may well have been classified as somebody who was vulnerable so they needed to be they were suspicious as hell well, it's no different than some of the podcast hosts cracking open beers, is it? So you're cracking open a lump of cheese, fair enough. It's Go for cheese? It. Yeah. It's orange. Yeah. The social workers said, they well, they went back to the police and they said, this is, it was slightly bothering to hear this because I believe it's a, a, um, it's a misnomer. They expressed there was concern that she wasn't, showing regret, remorse or sorrow that they would have expected. And I think that's... There's no, there's no... That's labelling, it's um, convicting someone based on the suspicion of a crime. Yeah. Just because they're not showing certain emotions exactly. and how you think should be fit. Everyone just does it differently. Well, there are a number of miscarriages of justice where people have been uh, basically convicted in the court of public opinion for failing to show what people expect them to show. So I think that was slightly wrong. Some people just shut down in times of extreme emotional turmoil. So mm. they, they can't cry, they can't show they're sad because their brain is switched off. Mm, exactly. Much like mine is, hence the coffee and cheese. Eat coffee and cheese, yeah. The, the, so the police were suspicious. This, no forced entry because they came in through the window. As I said, think, think it was the window that actually went out onto the high street. The police tried to reconstruct everything and they struggled. They got a ladder. They had police officers at the size and build of her... You know, suppose so, yeah, and then they had other ones that were just randomers. Unless, unless one of them is nine foot tall, I don't think it's applicable. They absolutely, even with a ladder, 
which there was no evidence of a ladder being there or being taken away. And, you know, where would it have been in the local hedgerow? Well, there weren't any bloody hedgerows, as I said, if you actually see it. But they couldn't do it without leaving any trace of DNA, any forensics, you know, anything. They couldn't do it. There was always a trace of how they'd gotten in or gotten out. And yet there was nothing at the scene except for Audrey and Eric's DNA. There was nothing. So and some Werther's originals. So they had a another, right, okay, um, they had another think about this and, and what they were, they were going to do. So they decided to do another proper search of the property. And how many times have we heard that? They go through once because at the beginning they think they're victims. Yeah. So they don't, you know. But the post-mortem comes back and this makes them go, hang on. Apparently Eric was stabbed once through the shoulder which and downwards, which caused a fracture of his collarbone. The collarbone, in turn, punctured his lung. But that still showed that the time of death was actually two hours earlier than when she called the police. The police also did some investigation. They found a local um, a delivery driver who'd been delivering to a local shop or restaurant or something who reported hearing groaning. And he couldn't pick up where it was from, but if you think the window was open, so you'd hear a disembodied noise. Yeah. But, but he'd heard that around 2am. Um, so she'd stabbed him and then he waited for him to die, then called the police. Exactly. The you, delivery driver picked up the thingy. If you, I, I thought I'd see the script, but I can tell where yeah, this is going. Yeah, it is exactly. Um, now I've had my cheese and coffee, I'm pumped up. Yeah. I know what's happening. I know who did it. She also um, then tried to, okay, this this burglary thing isn't working out at all, so let's change the, let's change the story. Um, he, he committed suicide and she faked the burglary to cover it up. Why are you going to stab yourself in the collarbone? That sounds like it hurts. Yeah, yeah. So, as I said, they had a... He's 83, just wait for a cold winter. Well, yeah. So, searching through the house, they'd searched the kitchen a few times, but, you know, we had the knife trays, the, the cutlery drawers inside the drawers, don't we? Was we one missing? What? Was one missing? No, it was tucked down the side. And it was a butcher's knife, a proper butcher's knife. So It was serrated. It was a... It was quite a decent-sized knife. The blade was, you know... And she'd actually asked... It was proved afterwards she'd actually asked Eric's son from the butcher shop downstairs to sharpen it in the days before the murder. Now, I know it's innocu- it could be innocuous. Yeah, that sounds like one of those things. Yeah, but... Mm. I, so, I don't think... If, if she wasn't guilty of this and she'd done that it would, wouldn't have been anything no, of the sorts no. it, it's, yeah, you're, when you're, you... it's expected to, for someone who's a butcher to can you, you ask them to sharpen my knives because yeah. you'll be good at it yeah yeah. well they found this knife down the side of the drawer and it had, had slight blood stains on it and the blood came back to Eric's so they had the murder weapon and they thought it's got to be Audrey how who else would put the drawer the, you know it's yeah so they arrest her on the 7th of October 2003 and she was taken to a police station one thing I hadn't mentioned prior to this was her son she had one son called Peter he was a retired police officer and when this all initially first happened everybody's like oh my god he's you know he's a colleague he's poor mum and they were all full of sympathy then as they started to become suspicious they then had to put up do you think she wanted to try to leverage that in a, in a sense that her son wouldn't want both of his parents gone, effectively? 
genuinely don't know that. So never... it could be an emotional manipulation, or because his colleagues won't automatically assume, oh, his mum did it. They probably that's where my probably bra- give her the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, that's where my brain went, and this is why they they even though he was retired, he was still very close to everybody, and they all really liked him, highly respected him. And then they basically, they had to do like a, almost like a, it's called, I can't, I'm trying to think of another word, another phrase for it, but they had to put Chinese walls around the investigation. So no information leaked out. So nobody could inadvertently say something to yeah. Peter to, who could then tell his mother so she knew what was going on. And then what they had to do, when they realised they were absolutely convinced she was behind it, they had a... Um, you, not that this is related, but... I always like it when people get caught out when they say, for example, he was stabbed in the collarbone and then shot in the head and it was a shot that killed him. And then she says, oh, I didn't shoot him, I just stabbed him. And yeah. they go, ah, he wasn't actually shot, he was just stabbed. And then they get caught out because, and yeah. then they did it. I saw that in an old um, cold case thing when I was like 10. Yeah. That happened. Yeah, so they, they, they had a, a, some very high level meetings about this, how they should deal with this. And they knew Peter was... Um, an honourable, decent guy. So they thought, yeah, we'll tell him. And they brought him in and they told him that they suspected it was his mother. And he was obviously incredibly upset, but he agreed to aid the investigation in any way he could. I'm guessing he was probably hoping that he could prove them wrong, but he was, you know, a lifelong police officer. He was, this was going to be his thing. So once she was arrested and taken to the station, they put Peter in with her to talk to her. And he basically put his arm around her and said, come on, Mum, tell us what happened. And she said, OK, I killed him. I'd had enough. I couldn't take any more of his illnesses and having to care for him. And that was that. She um, ended up pleading not guilty to murder, but guilty to manslaughter, but based on the grounds of diminished responsibility. And that was actually accepted by the Crown Crown Prosecution at uh, Plymouth Crown Court. The police told the court that they'd wasted a hundred... This is 2003. Just open your goddamn cheese. (laughs) I'm trying to open my cheese packet really quietly while my mother's talking and it's not working properly. Hang on. Okay, I've got my cheese. Go. Right. The police told the court that they'd wasted £160,000 investigating this false... Claim. The defence and the prosecution called for psychiatric reports and the gist was that she was suffering from depression and not entirely responsible for her actions. What, just because she's depressed or because she's old and depressed? Yeah, um, it, was, it was a difficult one. They, they said she was, she was found guilty. Obviously, she said she did it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, but it's grounds of diminished responsibility. But we have a different level of um, culpability and you have to meet different standards in the UK as to to other places. Uh, My guess is that there was possibly some thoughts about maybe she was showing signs of dementia. Yeah, possible. But if you know anything, it's fairly easy to fake. If you know what the tests are, it's actually, you can fake but them. do you think she has the capability to do that in the first place when she stabbed him with a serrated butcher's knife and stuck it in the same drawer, claimed that two people broke in through the window and a two-storey, or the second floor of a flat? I, yeah. No, I don't think she did. Yeah, fair enough. But 
the, 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 she was found guilty. I think she's crackers. And you know what goes on crackers? Some cheese. Hey? That sounds like that sounds like a sponsor read. <laughs> Sponsored by Cheddar. <laughs> yeah. She was found guilty, obviously, but then it comes down to what sentence are they going to give her? And the judge at the time said it has to be in proportion with someone's life expectancy. That should have nothing to do on it whatsoever. Oh. It wasn't it wasn't impressive. Do you know how like, have a guess? I'll call them. Have a guess. How long she got? I won't speculate on anything whether, you know, you get like a suspended sentence or like a purely custodial sentence or something where you're under house arrest. I don't know what they're going to be. I don't know, six months. She was she was sentenced to two years. You only ever serve half your sentence unless you're... Oh, and, well, that's provided you have good... Mm. Yeah, but you, you have good to behavior. be... Yeah, but you have to be pretty bad not to... She's 80 bloody one. Yeah, she's 81, but she also stabbed her bloke in the chest and then waited for him to suffocate on his own... Well, in the shoulder, but yeah. Yeah, well, she, yeah stabbed him in the collarbone and he stabbed himself in the lungs. I, I'm, I'll get into that, but yeah, she got, she got two years. They expected her to serve a year. She actually only served nine bloody months. His family were less than impressed. They wanted her for at least five years. Which is life at that point. But well, it, I'll get on to that. Why is it saying based on the person's expected life or someone's life expectancy and based on their age, etc. It's like basing it on their um, financial status. Because well, because they're poor, they won't achieve anything, put them in prison forever. It, it doesn't make any sense. I'll read something from the judge's summing up, which I, I wasn't impressed with. He said, what good does it do to have this woman in prison? From the news footage of her shown on television, she looked frail and bewildered. No, she bloody didn't. And I imagine by now that she's not putting on a performance designed to deceive anyone. She is unlikely to be a threat to the public as her crime was entirely within a personal and domestic context. Although her sentence is a relatively short one and she will serve less than the full two years, such a length of time when you are 81 constitutes a large proportion of your remaining years. So does if you're 20 and you get sentenced for 60 years. That's that's the total of two uh, three quarters of your entire life in prison. So why does that matter? Exactly, but it, oh, it gets better. Stupid ass. It gets better. But... I get irate about stuff like this. It sounds like preferential treatment based on someone's age, mm. gender or whatever background. It, it, bug, it bugs me. Now, the, M- the local MP, he was obviously quite angry about it and he actually asked the Attorney General to review her sentence for being unduly lenient which we can do in the UK and they said no um they said there'll be no appeal she was sent to somewhere called Eastwood Park Women's Prison in Gloucester where she was visited by her family and where she's isn't um cheese from Gloucester yeah you've got like you've got red Leicester but there's you don't like Gloucester Ah. cheese Uh how about that for a segue that's relevant she was visited by her family and where she was in a designated as an enhanced prisoner. Yeah. Enhanced? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wait. Is she on gear? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Which means she had her own room with a shower and the right to lock herself in at night. And it was told that she got on well with the other prisoners and she, she would be let out in the July. Interestingly enough, she was... Um, the conditions of her release... She was let out in the July of 2004... So, say, she served nine months. But the conditions of her release meant that until April 2005, which isn't very long, she was banned from going to Plimpton, where Eric's family lived, and from contacting them. 
So nine months ban. I don't know, just the, the judge's logic surrounding the sentencing to me doesn't make any sense. If they've only got, they suspect, five years left to live and you sentence them for, let's round up to a year, that's only one-fifth left of their life. But if you sentence a 20-year-old to prison for 60 years, you're sentencing them for the remainder of their life. Mm. And someone that's 20 is more likely to turn around their current beliefs or do something better, maybe add something to society. Not some 81-year-old woman who got angry because she ran out of Werther's Originals and stabbed her husband. Come on. It's it's so lenient based on no reason. Right, I'm going to watch your face get decidedly red after this one. She served the nine months. Did you stab someone else? No, no. But she was, she was as I said, she was released in 2004. Yeah, so she'd have been 82. She eventually dies in 2016. What, so like 12 years afterwards? So she yeah. had been like 94, 93, 94? Yeah, that's one hell of an innings. That isn't bad going for, you know, she she would have been taken care of. She would have, she, she got taken care of when she got sent to prison. She got three meals a day. She got looked after. All right, she didn't get her, you know, pub lunches and shopping trips, but... I don't think you deserve it after you stab someone in the collarbone. So that was the case of poor Eric Hingston and what happened. Now, going on to the case autopsy, the age, that's the elephant in the room. At the time, she was said to be the oldest female killer in the UK. Now, that sent me down the... What about the Queen? Queen hasn't... Pack it in. So that sent me down the rabbit hole looking to see if I could find any other OAP, you know, extremely elderly ones... And the wonderful search engines it sent me off to a, a brewery. It got nothing whatsoever. To, I couldn't. I couldn't confirm that, but I. It was that's what intrigued me about this case. Normally, there's an Easter egg in the cases that I pick. It has me going. Ooh. This one was just purely and simply not the age of the victim. It was the age of the perpetrator. That flummoxed me. We talked about the possibility of dimin- um, diminished mental capacity. I'm guessing she only got offered that deal due to the confession. And plus that they really, really don't like having old people in prison units. It's far too much work for them. The USA, I know, has special units. The UK obviously put her somewhere similar, but it's not the norm. And I know the age ageing population in prisons is a worry for the prison because it, it, it means a hell of a lot more work. Sometimes it's, you know, one-on-one or they end up in... Yeah, because they're at, um, are they, what are they called, a ward of the state or a steward of the state? Is that what it's called? When you're a prisoner, that's why you can't have certain... Because you, because you don't have rights and certain freedoms when you're in um, prison, you're under the care of the government. So you're more, so you're considered more vulnerable. That's going to send me off down another research rabbit hole. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, but so yeah. Th- do you think that's why? Because more old people then being defined as more vulnerable, it, they are required to have a higher standard of care yeah. by those prisoners. Yeah. It's the same way as if a, uh, a guard has sex with the prisoner... The guard gets prosecuted for rape a lot of the time because they are it's a, they're a, they they hold power over the prisoner, and it's yeah a, that you're talking about abuse of position. Well, no, it's because yeah, you're but that's, a, that's it's, what... it's, a, it's a ward or a steward of the state or something. I'm not sure if it's that might be a more American term, but the same principle applies in the UK at least. Yeah, but it's it's an we would consider that an abuse of power. I mean, again, the elderly population in prisons in America is the problem because they have to provide health cover for them and health care for them, and they get taken care of far better. Under a certain means, though, because um, do you know how common hepatitis is in prison? You don't get given any support with it, at least. That's why a lot of them they will use the hepatitis as a weapon mm. a lot of the time. They'll spit in food and stuff. And... Oh, right. Moving on. Um, <laughs> 
was her first husband's death really a heart attack? That just had me suspicious because that's just the way I am. She was under great strain. Obviously, he had these. He had a lot of medical problems, but it definitely doesn't seem that she asked for help from anybody. Again, that could be a pride thing. I'm not sure, but she tried to frame two innocent men. Yeah, that alone should be given for more than nine months. I I don't know where I. Put... Where would they get a ladder from? Well, yeah. One phrase I came up with it was Satan in a blue rinse, and that made me laugh. But she didn't have blue rinse. But it's elderly women used to have blue rinses, but they did. She didn't. But yeah, Satan in blue rinse. Now depression can make you snap, sure. But the cover up, although it was bad, and she didn't do a good job, it was still devious. It, it, it's she didn't just snap. There was some planning behind this. Okay, this isn't me defending them. Wouldn't an easier way have been to pull him off of the bed, let him collapse on the floor, leave him, and then just go out for a couple of hours doing a little yonk, mm-hmm. and then he would have probably died on the floor mm-hmm. due to the injuries of that, and that mm-hmm. would have been completely believable. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, I guess you've got a higher risk of it not happening. Yeah, it, it may go wrong, and I think she'd had enough by that point, and he, he just had to go. That was the end of him. But, I mean, I don't know, the... Yeah, I'm just gonna get. I'm just gonna go back on a little tirade about me being annoyed about the stupid sentencing. And then she lived for another 15 years or something. She was really cool, calm, and collected. She was in the the press conference, in the police interviews. There was she wasn't. And is that going against your diminished mental capacity thing? Is that yeah. going against that because she she wasn't she, all she over. She presented herself as yeah. someone that's quite competent. Yeah, exactly. It's don't. Don't judge a book by the cover. Just because she was a little old lady doesn't mean that she was a little innocent old old lady. It was a 20-year second marriage. That's a long and between, time. Between them, they had three children. Yes. Yeah, so they met in their 60s. Yeah, so, yeah. She, I'm going to show you a picture of her now. This is taken from the press conference. Oh, God. She looks like Mrs Brown from Mrs Brown's Boys. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. She does, doesn't she? There is a resemblance because it's an elderly woman, yeah, yeah, obviously. And they all look the same in the end. And yeah, she looks like Pat, Pat Butcher. Well, the, the, say so the police really didn't like her. They described her as sneaky and sly. I think there's, I think there's something a bit extra sinister about a an elderly person that is a murderer because typically it's it's something that's going against general convention where if you expect a kitten to be really cute and sweet, and but it slashes it, your throat. If it's yeah. an evil little fucker, it's especially painful because you, it's against what your expectations are. But that's are. what I said, you don't judge a book by a cover just because yeah, yeah, exactly. it's an elderly person, doesn't... And yes, you. it's not usual for elderly women to do this and say she was supposed to be the oldest. But how many people have bumped off their partner because of ill health problems as they've gotten older? And, and they've just been passed off as... Yeah. Yeah, that's why... I, I don't know if you said the phrase exactly, but is she the oldest... She's the oldest convicted? Yes, Yes. You've got no other way of knowing. Yes, exactly. There may be, the police maybe have suspicions that, you know, doctors might have suspicions, but how far do you go to try and prove it? Or is it a case of, well, he was probably actually only going to live another three months or maybe six months, or she was going to. I reckon it happens behind closed doors far, far more often. Oh, it must be. Yeah, but that, that, that case in particular set all sorts of, like, good grief. Yeah, she... She genuinely looked like a a grey version of Mrs. Brown. Yeah. Didn't she? From Mrs. But she didn't. It's, it's a TV. I mean, I don't know. You get people from Dubai listening to this. I don't know. It's yeah. it's it's a comedy skit show on in the UK based of a. It's a male actor that plays. It's actually Irish, but yeah. 
but it's, yeah, yeah, but it's um, he's a he's a male actor that plays a sixty seventy year old grandmother, and she's the matriarch of the group, and it's it's a, it's a comedy, air quotes, and yeah, she looks at Mrs. Brown. It's one of those things you either love it or you hate it. But yeah, you just you don't like to judge somebody about the way they look, but most people will give her a hard pass till you start looking at the evidence and you think, nah. Yeah. But yeah, they they tried, they couldn't. I mean, my thinking was, okay, she was good. What came out as well, she stabbed him. It was a downward motion through the top of his shoulder and broke his collarbone. Unless he had, I know he had significant medical issues. Well, he's going to be old and frail. So I know you're going to say is how much force could she have yes. applied to break the collarbone. But to the, be able to force that collarbone down into his lungs. Um, so, funny story about collarbone. I was in the secondary school, I was playing about with some mates on a field. Like the alarm went off to for everyone to go back into class and stuff. We were about 12, 13. We run about on the field. I tripped my friend up on the floor and he fell on his side. He was fine. <laughs> And then my friend that was chasing him fell on that other person and then he broke his collarbone. So I don't know how hard it actually is to break someone's collarbone, especially when they're 80. I think it's one of those very fragile bones that a lot of people can break. I, it's the force of a, of a knife going in. That's Even if he had osteoporosis, which I would suspect that would have come up in the autopsy, they would have said, you know, his bones... it. A lump could have sheared off. I think that was an inordinate amount of force that was used. Well, you, you can probably still generate quite a lot of force in a downward strike, two-handed, with a knife in your hand. Especially an old person that's sat stationary. Sat stationary is probably quite simple. Well, yeah, he was sat up in bed. But well, he ended up on the floor and it, the, the, they believe the likelihood was that he tried to get himself up and landed on the floor and was groaning. Should it, and then even alone, the circumstances of the murder should be especially violent because you didn't even kill him properly. If she hadn't have hidden that knife in her kitchen drawer, if she had gone out to the back door or the front door and hoiked that knife off out into the dark, the likelihood is that the story would have added up more for the police. They wouldn't have gone... I just... I feel I feel concerned on the fact that they were being so lean on this woman that they would just convict those two dudes just based... Because it was more convenient. It seemed to fit the bill. They wanted to get two people that no, were they, they didn't, the streets. No, they didn't. No. No, I know, I know what you're saying, but then if... If they just say, oh, no conviction, mm. someone was clearly murdered. But it was the fact, I think I think it probably made them question the fact that because her description of these two guys was so p- precise, as we said, yeah. it was four o'clock in the bloody morning. Her husband had just been supposedly murdered. She'd been woken up from sleep on the sofa, as you do when you're 81. And she was, you know, he was six foot one. I wouldn't know if it's five foot one or seven foot two. Yeah. You just wouldn't. And... There we have it. That's the end of this week's case. I have more energy now. I think cheese and coffee is a good little mix. Well, we'll have to go for that one next every, week then. Every single week, I'm just going to have to up the ante and just take stronger and stronger stuff to the point where I'm actually awake and competent. I don't know what it was. I was. It's only been 20 minutes, but I've noticed a, a marked increase in my energy. I'm not yawning and rubbing my eyes anymore. At one point, I had my head inside my jumper whilst Mother was talking. Just because I'm so tired, I'm always falling asleep. And I'm left here sat thinking... Is it my voice? Mind you, I did used to sing to you and read you nursery rhymes yeah, and stories. Yeah, and that did send you off to sleep, so it may well be having a soporific effect. But yeah, that's the case. Slightly shorter one this time. What? Why are you looking at me funny? I'm just wondering why the dog hasn't broken him because we've been at it an hour. 
I was going to say um, Cameron asked for a female murder case and then I've done three. Is this the fourth one on the trot? Yeah, you've done three. Or, or There's three in a row and the fourth one involved a woman, I think. And I'm just like, uh, that wasn't deliberate. I don't know why my brain's gone like that. But yeah, it's it's not, yeah. But yeah, that's the end of the case. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week. Peace. So this is where I have a question for you guys. How much do you think someone's age should play a role in how they're sentenced once found guilty and to what degree? Now, you probably heard my opinion during the podcast. I don't think it should be much of a factor, but either way, I'm curious as to what your opinion might be. If you want, you can leave feedback at murdermeandmondaypodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at murdermeandmondaypodcast. Much love. See ya.